Hello, hello, my let's get real people. Whew. What the heck? What the heck? That's all I have to say. No, I love you guys. I love your support. I continue to grow and find new guests and new listeners. And as always, I am so grateful for the people you sent me and when you give me ideas. So keep them coming because this is all about me learning how to be more in service of you and my guest. And I just love doing it. Love doing it. The people are just awesome. They're from all over the world, different backgrounds, but all are spreading something positive in the world. Which leads me to my next guest and something we haven't talked about. I don't think maybe ever on Let's Keep It Real. History. Do you like history? Are you involved in getting to know your history? Do you like learning about it? All right, so here's the deal. In school, I thought it was so boring. All it was was numbers and dates, and I remembered it. I did well, but then I forgot everything. Now, my husband and son not only like current events, but really study history. And I freaking love it. I love learning about what it was at different time periods, what they went through, and the people. And that's why I brought on my next guest. If you didn't think history was fun or worth knowing about, trust me, after this podcast, you will. I had a blast and it opened my mind to a whole new way of looking at things. As always, we really appreciate you sharing this, liking it, and rating it. It makes a huge difference. Keep the clients coming. The keynote engagements, I really appreciate your support. I love you guys. Have fun. Toodles. This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Hello, hello, my let's keep it real people. How you been doing? I don't know. I know I talk to you every week, but it seems like this time it's been a very long time. Maybe it's because I was on vacation. What about you? What are you guys doing over the summer? Anything fun, interesting? Well, I would love to talk about a little bit of our past. History, right? You all love history. We've been talking about how important it is to know about our history so we can live in the now. But before we get more into that, let me talk to you about my next guest, which is Barbara Ann Mojica. I hope I got it right. Mojica, she'll tell me if I did or not. Mojica, I looked it up. But Barbara Ann, here's her deal. She's a author, educator, and parent, and Barbara provides tools to inspire, entertain, and educate youth. History is the key, which we've been talking about, to solving today's problems. Tired of being bombarded by social media noise? Accept the challenge. Be a truth teller. Barbara, we have never had this on the show, so welcome. I am excited to dive in. Thank you for having me, Sandy. I'm really 
looking forward to our chat. Yeah, me too. Me too. This is something I'm very, very interested in. But before we go diving down that little rabbit hole, what about telling me your word? I always ask my guest if they had one word, you could pick any word you want to best describe your past 30 days, what would your word be and then why? Okay. Well, normally I think my word would be determination, but in the past few weeks, it's going to be anticipation. Okay. All right. Anticipation. Tell us more. Well, for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, I am anticipating another book coming out before the end of the summer. And I'm excited Ooh. about that because it's been a little bit longer than usual. Usually I try to get books out more than one a year. But this year it's been a little bit of a longer journey because this book has been a little bit more intense with the illustration and it's taking a little bit longer to put Ooh. together. But I'm really, really excited because I'm going to be seeing my brother and his wife for the first time in two years. So woo, I'm really excited about that. And be, um, in, in a few weeks, he's going to be coming. And due to COVID, of course, we haven't been able to see each other. He lives on the opposite coast. I'm in New York. He's in California. So I'm Ooh. really, really excited about that. We always have a great time. And the third reason I'm really anticipated and exciting, it's been three years since my favorite, my very favorite book author event has been able to go on because, oh. again, of COVID. And this is a wonderful children's book festival that we have in Hudson, New York, and it brings together sometimes as many as 5,000 people. Wow. And it's a great event because it's a literacy event. Uh, children who normally aren't able to get a hold of a lot of books are given free books. A lot of parents come out and authors, it brings together between 75 and 80 authors, children's book authors, and we wow. all get together in this one place. We get to network and see each other, and we get to talk to the parents, talk to the kids. And I have uh, parents and kids that tend to come back. You know, I had been doing this festival for about eight or nine years, mm. and when it was canceled, it was just like, oh. You know, like I wasn't going to see the kids. I wasn't going to see yeah. my friends. I wasn't going to see the authors. And it was canceled uh, two years in a row. But now they just announced that next May we're going to be on again. So I'm really, really, really excited. And I'm anticipating that. So that would be my word. Uh, I love that. And that's a lot of things to, you know, anticipate with joy. But before we even move forward, how can the listeners find out about that festival? What is it called exactly? Okay, it's called the Hudson Children's Book Festival. Okay. And they can just go online and, you know, type in Hudson Children's Book Festival and the information will be, you know, starting to come out more and more. It's always held the first Saturday in May, so this 
this time it will be on May 6th, uh, this coming year in 2023. And it's just a great event. So anybody who can get out to it, it's it's really fantastic. Oh, that sounds like so much fun. I'm writing it down because I want to be there. That sounds like a great time. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So, Barbara, let's dive into it. The biggest thing, which everybody wanted to really know more about, is why do you believe if you don't know your history, you don't know what you're talking about? Okay. Now, that little saying model is is my character, Little Miss History. She is the one who narrates my my series. Ooh. When I when I retired from teaching, I decided wasn't going to be good at retirement. You know, within a f- couple of weeks, I knew that well, that <laughs> just not going to work for me. So I wanted to combine the two loves of my life. And uh, as an undergraduate and graduate student, I, all of my degrees are in history. Loved history. Even as a kid, I was always interested in people who got the opportunity to go to all of these wonderful exotic places and discover things and I as a kid I wasn't able to do that because my family uh, didn't have a lot of means and we didn't have extra money to travel or do a lot of things and we didn't even have a car so I always dreamed of exploring so that was my love of history so then when I started getting out into the world I discovered that I really didn't want to be a person who spent all of my time writing and researching history, but I wanted to be involved with people. So I got into teaching and wound up with a 40-year career in teaching. (laughs) It's something that I started doing and couldn't stop. So I I taught for 20 years with uh, children in the kind of general population in elementary school. And then I became aware that there were problems with schools and problems in learning and techniques. And I decided to go back to school again. And I got a a graduate certification in special ed. So I started working with children with really, really extreme needs like crack cocaine babies and autistic children and down syndrome children and I worked into a whole new career with that I wound up as a teacher and then a principal and then as a school district administrator working with special needs kids so that was my teaching part of the career and then when I retired I said I want to somehow find a way to combine you know, my two loves and, and somehow being able to, you know, employ the skills that I had learned along the way and mm-hmm. and use them. So I started writing local history articles for a, a local news magazine. And then my husband came up with the idea. I said, I really want to work with kids. I want to, you know, I want to write history for kids. And make it exciting and interesting. And I feel that, you know, history is very much ignored in the schools today, especially at the elementary level. So I wanted to find a new way to get kids interested again. Gotcha. And he said, well, why don't I develop a character for you? Now, my husband is an artist and he's been drawing since the age of five and he does 
he has done artwork for children's books and he does cartoon work and portraits and you know every aspect so he developed this character little miss history who is going to narrate my story and she's a younger version of me so he came up with this great cartoon character she wears pigtails like i had and yeah, she wears yeah. this kind of hiking outfit because I always wanted to get out and, and hike and explore and get it, it travel. And then she wears these giant oversized boots and they're in memory of my father. But the big thing is she has these giant glasses, sunglasses, and they're rose colored because she has an optimistic view of the world. So <laughs> here's, the, here's the character that was going to narrate and, and she was going to interject herself and... She was going to make it fun, but she was also going to experience the history. With, she was going to be a part of the story and show herself involved in the situations and bring the kids into the story as well. So she's going to like ask them questions and ask for their opinions and, and, and uh make it very very much in, an interactive experience so i started writing these books and and i kept doing it and doing it and doing it so now i have 14 books out and uh, i'm still uh releasing them i love that i love it. and uh, by the way i've seen you know <laughs> little miss sister character it's adorable and I can't believe your husband and now has more meaning to me knowing that your husband came up with it. Yeah, he, he was, he's really, I, I, it's great because, you know, it's funny. He loves history as much as I do, yeah. although he never yeah. really was into studying it in school. He, he just loves it. So it's fantastic. We go exploring historical sites together. And when we do yeah. the books, our books are also multimedia, so we not only use his artistic talents, we have the cartoon character, he does portraits, he does backgrounds, but we take actual photographs. When, so we visit the places that I talk about in my books, and it's a multimedia approach. So the children can mm. see what it actually looks like they can envision what it used to look like by looking at the portraits and the other uh, information that we include in the book. And they can also interact with it through this Little Miss History character and, you know, become a part of the conversation. Yeah. The books. Yeah. And I'm so glad you did it because I remember growing up, I really was it, I don't remember in elementary school, but I do remember middle school and high school. And I thought it was just remembering date. You know, that was it. They didn't make it fun. They didn't make it interesting. It was just like, what date this, wait this. And I'm like, oh my God, just get me through. And I remember getting A's, but not remembering anything. Yeah. A lot of people see it as a series of, of, of facts, dates, events, timelines, but that's not really what history is to me. And I think if you really think about it, most people would agree. History is really more of a reality show. It's it's about real people just like us who had problems, who got up and, and had to go to work and, and had to raise a family and had to overcome obstacles. But 
the way history has been taught, we don't usually see that aspect yeah, of history. Yeah. That's what I try to do. But if you look at history to get as, as a kind of a global view uh, and you see it uh, as m more than political history or uh, geographical history, then you can kind of understand the personality aspect of it. Yeah. I'll tell you, my um, husband, he's a lawyer now. He went to Villanova, but his undergrad is in history and he went to Gettysburg in Pennsylvania and he loves history. And my son, who's just graduating high school, he loves history. So they got me into it to appreciate and love history because the way they look at it is exactly what you're talking about. We talk about the people and what it was like at that time. And then the good thing, I mean, I know there's a lot of stuff going on with social media, but they are always watching different videos on YouTube about something in history. And I find it fascinating. And they're like, my son's always saying, mom, don't you remember that? Don't you remember you got good grades? I go, you know, Cole, I just got the grade, but it wasn't like that. It was just like, get the grades, get the dates, move forward. I mean, this is amazing that I'm really finding out about what it was like in that period, at that time, in that country, and what the people felt. I love it. Well, you know, when you study history, you're looking at people, you're looking at, you're, you're looking at an aspect because to really study history, you have to go into it as a series of things that are interconnected, not as one particular yeah. aspect. So yeah. you, this goes into, you know, critical thinking and the way you, you should be approaching history. And again, it isn't always taught that way. It, it, history today in schools is kind of like an ancillary subject until you get to high school. And then if you are in certain states, uh, there there is a more of an emphasis on history. Of course, yeah, the Common yeah. Core, we have the Common Core curriculum now, which is also a problem. But you have to be able to apply certain skills when when you look at history if you want to really appreciate it not only do you look at a, a piece a content in the area but you have to look at the context what else was going on at at the time that influenced it yeah uh, yeah and you have to look at the primary sources which again very much overlooked today uh, the primary sources, the artifacts, the letters, the journals. Mm. What did this person actually say? Not was what was it reported to have been said or what somebody else said about somebody else, but what really was going on? What is the actual historical record? And then how was it communicated? Because the way it was communicated in the past is not the way it's communicated today. And here's where we get into a lot of problems. Because today we have instant communication. 
Yeah. That changes the way we look at history because with the instant communication comes a lot of opportunity for social media to be involved, for opinions and bias to be interjected, and then we don't get the real and true information. And another problem today is with our penchant for the instant answer, uh, we don't take the time to focus, to analyze, Mm. to observe, to look at all the pieces of information and then take them and put them together so we can infer what might have been going on and then come to a conclusion. And sometimes the conclusion is that there is no conclusion at all or that there could have been multiple conclusions. There could have been multiple reasons for the way things happen. But what happens today? How do we learn? We want to find the answer to something. Oh, I got a question. I'm going to go to the computer. Yeah. I'm going to type in my question. I'll Google it. And then, well, we get the first answer. And (laughs) 90% of the time, what do we do? We take the first answer. That may not be the only answer. I'm sure that's not the only answer. Yes, of course. And it may not be the correct answer either. So what happens is what what do kids do? They oh I need the answer to this. They look it up. Okay, this is the answer. They don't think about it again. My husband's always saying that don't jump to conclusions. You don't have the full picture. But him and my son, they're unique in that they want the facts so much that they could read like 15 articles a day on that subject and cross-reference and they're taking their time to understand and peel back the layers which is why i love talking to them about it because i know they did their homework and it's not just like you said the first thing and always say to me wait a minute wait a minute let's see Let's dive a little deeper. Let's see the other pieces. And inevitably, I'm like, holy moly, I never thought of that, Barbara. I never thought of that. You know, I don't know about you, but most people are not taking the time to do that. Most people. Especially young people, because they have grown up in this world of instant. Yeah. Instant. Instant. You know, they, they don't have the patience. And I think that... Parents have to take a huge part in that. Of course, parents are very busy. They are overwhelmed. They're juggling 20,000 things. But looking back, I can think uh, when my children were little, and they're both adults now. um, I have two children and six grandchildren. uh, They weren't exactly like... uh, that impulsive yeah. uh today our kids do you know they just don't have the patience for that and yeah. parents even though they are super super busy they have to take the time to teach kids basic values i think it should be more an emphasis in the home rather than the school today the schools have have way overstepped their bounds into, you know, thinking that they have to 
have a master plan for teaching children everything they need to know as far mm. as social emotional skills. And I think that has to happen way, way before when children are young in the home. Yeah, I hear that all the time from educators. They're like, it's just too much on us. And the parents are washing their hands of it, you know? And that's a, that's a difficult thing. I mean, how do you, you can't force parents to do it. You just can't. No, you can't force parents to do it. But I think when parents take a step back, if they think about it, all of the things that they want in their children, that they want to see in their children, they can very easily play a part in that. So let me give you some examples. Okay. Uh, basic skills like being honest, uh, teaching children to be kind and compassionate, little things in the home, it, you know, giving them examples of kindness, showing them ways to be kind, teaching them to be grateful for what they have and not to always expect more. Things like sharing and taking turns. That's a very simple way to teach children mm. to be respectful and honest and humble. But it, it's uh, it's something that is sometimes overlooked because we're okay, we're busy. But it's a, it's a it's a fairly easy thing to do. Teaching children that they have to be responsible for their own belongings. It's easier to you know you tell the child clean your room. Okay, so child doesn't clean his or her room. Child yeah, loves to yeah. you know the food is under the bed, the clothes are all yeah, over yeah. the room. They're not yeah. in the hamper. After a while, the parent gets, you know, overwhelmed. Just close. I'm just going, just going to close the door, and I'm just not going to look at it. Yeah, yeah. But you know, and then they end up doing it because it smells. I mean, you know, <laughs> exactly. But it, that's you know a very simple act of if if you just reinforce that, it becomes part of a child's routine and a part of their understanding. You know. Organization. Now, parents have to learn to organize their time. I mean, because there are so many demands made on their time. Teach your child to organize their time. Show them how to use a calendar. Show them how to break up their day. How oh, they want to do, they want to go to soccer. They, they want to go to music lessons, but they've got homework. That's a responsibility that they have to fulfill help them sit them down and say well you can make a schedule and then make them responsible for sticking to that schedule you know I, little little things like that and these are skills that they're going to need if they're going to become any kind of leader if they're yeah. going to become a responsible person in whatever career path they choose, uh, they're going to have to have these skills. They're going to have to be independent. They're going to have to think. They're going to have to take responsibility for their actions. They can't expect to show up three hours late and the boss is going to pay me. They have to learn to be organized or they're going to get fired from that job. They have to learn how to communicate with people respectfully 
or yeah. they're not going to get very far. So if if you just pay closer attention to how you want a child to learn to be a responsible adult, just think about the basic things that go into that. Yeah. And and just try to include them in your everyday and delegate, you know, give them jobs to do. Delegate responsibilities in any kind of job. They're, they're going to have to learn to accept responsibility and how to delegate and to give a certain amount of that responsibility to others. Some parents, yes, they've neglected things and they expect the teacher to do it. But teachers uh, are so, so overwhelmed with what they are supposed to do. And I saw this as my career evolved. There was more and more emphasis on a kind of big overarching model of what everybody was going to do. The teacher used to be the person in charge of his or her classroom. That's no longer the case. The teacher is implementing a curriculum from on high and from... Besides that curriculum, the teacher is asked to meet monumental amounts of paperwork and data to justify exactly what they're doing and how they're doing it and when they're doing it and and why they're doing it. Well, I've seen that with a lot of my friends that are teachers and I can see their frustration and they're like, how many years to retire? Because they've seen how much has changed and for the exact reasons. It's, they feel as if there's so much paperwork and justification and they're teaching for the score. So I've seen that over and over again with my friends who, who love teaching, but they're like, oh my goodness, it's a little too much. But I want to circle back about what you were talking with as far as the responsibility of the parents. And I do agree, it, sometimes parents... Because they're so busy, they're pulled in so many directions, they think it's easier just to go, never mind, I'll do it myself versus, you know, in the short run, they think it's, you know, it's going to save them time. But in the long run, they end up having more issues with the kids. And I do see that. And I'm glad that you mentioned because a lot of these things don't take that, you know, much more time. It's just you sticking to your guns. But the bigger thing that you mentioned and... I think that this doesn't take extra time. It's just that your kids pick up how you are. So if you are, Barbara, a compassionate person, an honest person, a kind person, don't you think they learn that more from just watching how their parents are? And if you're not that way, how can you teach it to them? Exactly, exactly. They learn by example and they we model a certain kind of behavior to our kids. And if that is a negative behavior, well, they're going to pick up on it. Whether yeah. it's yeah. negative because we're ignoring them or it's negative because we're always screaming and shouting and, and you know, imposing ourselves. So, you know, I think... A helicopter parent is the worst kind of parent uh, because, you know, a helicopter parent who's always, always involved in 
every aspect of a child's life. That doesn't foster independence. That doesn't foster a child who's going to be able to be responsible, who's going to be able to stand up, be fair, think for himself. Mm. That you know, and an authoritarian parent who always imposes her will on the child is, is just as bad, you know, among yeah. it's my way or the highway. That you know, <laughs> yeah. parents should there should be a certain amount of negotiation with children. I mean, to show that you're fair, you should let children know that there isn't always just your way if they could give you a valid reason then maybe you could change their mind because we want to have kids develop the ability to see two sides to an issue and again with social media they're often not seeing that with the news they're not seeing that when they watch the news today they get opinion pieces they don't get facts so you get you might get okay a piece of information is reported and then you're going to see a panel of people give their opinions on that piece of information barbara it's so funny because i'm thinking there's so many different areas we could dive into and i love i think it's really good for us like some of it's like okay i know that but i'm not i haven't been practicing it. And I think for many of us out there, it's just reminders like, oh my goodness, that's what I've been doing. And hey, that's food for thought. And hey, I could try that. And a lot of these things, it's not time consuming. It's just a different way of thinking about it for parents. But before we run out of time, I need to talk to you about your books because we're going to go and I'm going to be like, wait a minute. I had all these questions about your books and they're going to be mad that I didn't get them in. So they want to know what is your main purpose for the books you're putting out there? You know, why did, what's your mission? Well, my mission is to inspire kids to know that they are a part of history, just like these famous people that they may have Ah, read about in a text. That there are contributions made by us today. As I tell kids when I speak to them in elementary school, the day you were born, you became a character in history because you became a part of the history of your family. First of all, there were ancestors who were, who in your family who came before you. And there are people that are going to come after you, your children, your grandchildren, your great grandchildren, and they're all going to carry on the history of your family. They're all part of this kind of evolutionary event. Yeah. Started before you and will keep going on after you. And that history that you become a part of in your family carries on to your community. Because what is a community? A community is a group of people who have come to live in a certain place for various reasons. Maybe they have a common culture. Maybe they have a common economic purpose, common way of making money. Uh, These people share certain things, like they might share a love of certain foods or traditions or uh, parades, events, whatever kind of society uh, they construct, whether it's work time, leisure time. And 
they come together and they have to work together for that community to develop better solutions to the problems that there are today. So the community probably had some problems a hundred years ago. Those problems have changed today. Now we need different solutions. We can use what we learned in the past to build gotcha. on that, to gotcha. work today, to make today better. So we have to know where we came from to know how to live better today and then how to create a plan for a, a better future. So we create a kind of legacy framework. Now, some of that framework uh, from the past may still work today. Some of it might need to be slightly modified, but we can take what we learned. We can build on what was good. We can get rid of what wasn't good. We don't destroy everything. We build on it and yeah, enhance yeah. it and improve to make a better a better future. And everything in the world has a history, right? Anything you can think of, music, yeah. architecture. Everything. Yep, I agree. So what age group are your books for? Well, but the target group is kindergarten through sixth grade. Oh, okay. How, however... They are picture books and they are highly illustrated. So a young child can follow along. I, I have a one fan who's four who just loved my La Brea tar pits. He's really into fossils and archaeology. And, uh, and uh, he started reading the books when he was four and actually got to go to the La Brea tar pits. It was wonderful. He sent me a picture all excited, uh, of, you know, that's of, great. Of showing him being there. Uh, so it can be for younger children and adults, strangely enough, uh, love the books because they learn so many new things that I always make sure I include things that, you know, really little known things like the secret room behind Mount Rushmore and, yeah, yeah. you know, what, what really went on at Ford's theater and how, Anderson Ruffin Abbott was a was a doctor, a surgeon, in fact, and and he was at Ford's Theater with Mary Lincoln's maid, Elizabeth Keckley, who was a free black woman. They were on a date at Ford's Theater when all of this happened, and 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 it, you know, they he became a, a friend of the Lincoln family, and uh, uh, Mary Lincoln gave him a shawl, and mm. you know, like all the all little things that are connected. My books talk not only about history, but they talk about nature. I talk about science. I talk about environment. I talk about geography. I talk about climate. So we talk about Native American rights, uh, people who were ignored during history who later were uh, understood and recognized in history, like Alonzo Swan, who was one of the heroes on the Intrepid in World War II, and he worked with a black artillery unit, and he only got the Bronze Star. He practically saved, you know, the whole deck from being blown apart. And, and uh, later, 50 years later, he was awarded the uh, Naval Cross. So, it, little stories like this, you know. The, the, so the, fun. So fun. And, and it's probably fun finding them out, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. I just love, you know, that research part of it is still there. I got to get into, yeah. you know, keep 
keep digging until uh, I find all of the uh, hidden information. I love it. Well, Barbara, we have to wrap up. But before we go, I want to first thank you for taking the time to be on the show. I've really enjoyed having you. And secondly, how can they find your books? Well, it's really easy to find me. My website is simply www.littlemisshistory.com. Ah, <laughs> uh, and my books are available worldwide on Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, bookshop.org, you know, IndieBound, all of the online outlets. They're also available in independent bookstores. Uh, you can see them. Uh, previewed on my website so uh, when you go to my website you'll see a preview of the books where to get them but you'll also see a lot of my other resources so I don't just write the books I have a blog I review family what I call family friendly books yep, so I review yep. books from toddler aged through adult I do book reviews twice a week on my blog. I also give tips and tricks. So I give blog articles on advice for authors, uh, sometimes for teachers, uh, also learning, learning tips for literacy, uh, tips for parents. I have a YouTube channel and on my YouTube channel, I do mini teaching videos. So I ah. do videos. For all areas of the curriculum, like uh, history, uh, science, math, reading. Uh, I have a Pinterest board. Uh, on, on my <laughs> Pinterest board, I collect all of these resources. So if parents or teachers are looking for a particular kind of book, you know, book lists, uh, videos, uh, you know, advice, free curriculum materials. I have all of that on my Pinterest board. I have LinkedIn. Uh, I have also, you know, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, I have a Facebook page for Little Miss History. So I share information on that. So they can get, you know, all of this free stuff, like why you should study history, you know, uh, any yeah. kind of resource um, by going to that to that website and they can just click on whichever area the youtube the books the linkedin the blog where wherever they'd like to go i also have an instant chat on there so if they want to chat with me they can use that or they can send me an email yeah you know right from the website as well well my let's keep it real people I think you're going to agree with me. Barbara will not get bored. She is one busy bitch. <laughs> She's definitely not retired. We appreciate having you on. And until next time, you know what I'm going to say. Thank you, Barbara. And toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.